Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Tortoise. How old is he there? That's four. And he's wearing his new Spider-Man outfit. Can you turn it up a little bit? Blowing out with the candles. Oh no, let me, let me. <laughs> That's because he blew the candle in. Last September, as I was having my hair cut, my hairdresser told me about a friend of hers. I have two children. I was born in India and moved to UK in 2009 after I got married. And I've been in li- living in UK since then. She thought I might be interested to hear her story. And in 2018, I left my marital home. Since then, me and my children, we were living in until August the 27th when took my children abroad and never returned. It turned out... She was right. I lost my children two months ago and and I still haven't spoken to them. I don't know where they are and nobody has seen them, nobody has talked to them. What do you do when your children are taken away by your ex-partner? Who do you call for help? And how do you get them back? I'm Louise Tickle and this is Snatched, a podcast following a mother on a Kafkaesque journey through the family courts, triggering an international manhunt to find her ex and bring her children home. I thought he couldn't do anything. I have a court order in place and I have everything backing me up. I felt safe and I thought everything was safe and secure. My family is safe. But I didn't know he's got that evil plan in his mind and he's going to do this sometime. Last summer, Anna, whose name we've changed for legal reasons, received an email from her ex-husband. So end of July, he sent me an email saying that he was planning to take them to Spain for summer holidays. So his ticket was 27th of August till 1st of September. And he showed you the tickets? Yeah, he sent me the tickets. And I checked the tickets, I checked the flights and I, everything was okay. I dropped the children on 26th August that evening. It's the start of September and Anna drives to a Tesco car park the same one where she and her ex always meet when they hand over the children. Her two young boys have been abroad for a week on holiday with their dad, and she's really looking forward to seeing them. So I was there around 3.15, 3.20, so 10 minutes earlier. I finished my work and then went there to pick them up. I waited there 10 minutes and it was 3.30. I looked around 
and I couldn't see them. So I waited until four, but he never turned up. Anna writes her ex an email from the car. That's how we communicate. So I'm waiting in the car park. I couldn't see you or the kids. So is there any problem or any something like that? But he never replied. And 10 minutes later, I rang my son's phone. It was switched off. And then it stuck me. Like, that's not usual. He's, he never switched us off his phone. We're about half four by now. An hour late. Had they ever been as late as that before? No, never. She's starting to panic. He is a person. He cannot be trusted. He's unreliable. So at that point, I knew something has gone wrong, but I couldn't come to a conclusion. At five o'clock, 90 minutes after they were supposed to be dropped off, she calls the police. They didn't take my complaint, missing complaint, because they said they are with the father. We have to wait at least a couple of days. You know, I said they were about to return yesterday night and they haven't returned till now. You need to take the complaint now. And finally, around nine o'clock in the night, she made note of everything. The next morning, Anna gets a call from an officer who asks her for more details. And then... She receives news, which stops her in her tracks. Saturday evening, the police came back to me and said um, they never went to Spain. They went to LA. And so it's now more than 24 hours Mm -hmm. since they should have been returned to you. And you've realised that, in fact, it could easily be eight, nine days. Yeah since they've just been yeah, out of contact. Yeah, he was ahead of us. He was seven days ahead of us. Anna discovers her ex-husband never went to Spain. He never had any intention of going to Spain. The tickets and the hotel booking? It's a lie. Instead, he has flown to the west coast of America, to LA, with the children. But Anna knows immediately, this is not a case of a father taking his kids on a surprise adventure and losing track of time. Because it was not abducted by a stranger. They were with their father, and that's that's why everyone was a bit relaxed. But I am the only person to know what kind of human he is. By Monday, four days after she first reports the boys missing, the case has been passed to the Gloucestershire Police child abuse team. So I'm the senior investigating officer, so it would have been passed to me as a potential missing person. Detective Inspector Nick Wheeler takes on the investigation. I was looking at the circumstances of which they'd gone missing, um, what information I could understand that Mom was providing around their safety and well-being, but also trying to identify whether there was any criminal offences that had taken place. What D.I. Wheeler is trying to establish is whether the children are just on an extended holiday with their dad or whether something more sinister has happened. So I refer back to the 1984 child abduction laws to see... Uh, whether an offence had taken place. Because this isn't the first time he's taken the children without Anna's permission. In 2018, while they were still married, he picked up their eldest son from his primary school and flew to India with him, telling Anna nothing of his plans. He sent me a text message around 7, 7 uh, with the picture of him in the airport and saying me that they're going to India. Were you scared for him? Yeah, I was I was scared that they, he's going to remove them from me, from my life. That's the threat I always had. They didn't return for three weeks. Tell me about your boys. 
Yeah. What are they like? Uh, they're very naughty boys, very <laughs> smart actually, but sometimes they could be handsful, hard work, yes, but they are very lovely and smart boys. So they were just about to start primary school and, and secondary school. And how had you been preparing them for that? They're very excited actually. Um, he was about to start his reception and he already got friends there because they started in the nursery. And he was so excited too. Uh, we went to shopping to buy his uniforms and he's he was about to start, you know, secondary school is a big milestone. So he's got quite good friends, like six or seven children from the same class primary or moving to the secondary. So they already formed a WhatsApp group and they were like chatting every time what they're going to do and what clubs they got there. So he was really excited. Over the four years since she left her husband, they have repeatedly been in the family court. Time and time again, judges ordered that while the father could spend periods of time with the boys, he always had to return them to their mother at a specified time and place. And now he's three days late. He's deceived Anna about the holiday destination. He's taken the boys thousands of miles from where they're meant to be. And in doing so, he's broken court orders. So we were uh, able to clarify quite quickly that there was potentially a criminal offence when a child is abducted by a parent in this country, the courts and the police have extensive powers to track them down and return the children. But when a child is abducted abroad by a parent, neither the police nor the British courts have any jurisdiction. And so Anna is about to enter a legal maze, starting with something called the Hague Convention, her only real protection. OK, so the Hague Convention, there's several... Hague Conventions, to, but the ones that to deal with child abduction and international movement of children are the Hague Convention 1980, which is where there's 101 countries that are members of the Hague Convention signed up to it, and it is basically a multilateral treaty where countries try and agree terms of reference for the swift return of children who are not normally living in that country. And a second call after the police is to her lawyer. But she's going to need an expert. International child abduction is a highly specialist subject. So her lawyer puts her in touch with a man called Simon Craddock. I am a family law solicitor. I'm a main member of the Hague Convention panel, uh, a part of the Ministry of Justice. About 50 firms in the country are on that. And um, I've been doing family law for 31 years. Though it sounds extreme, Anna's situation is not unique. Simon alone does about 10 to 15 Hague cases a year. And latest figures published in 2017 showed there were around 600 abductions by parents into and out of England and Wales. Some parents never see or hear from their children again. And um, what was it intended to do? What, what was the reason for having that particular convention set up that way? Well, the primary reason was it was felt that it would be a, a treaty that would mean a swift return. And I think from the paperwork that there was a real understanding that it would be to do with the children are taken away from the resident parents and that there would need to be a swift return. And do you think that the scenario that was envisaged was that men would be abducting children or that women would be abducting children? The main view was that it was going to be the, the non resident parent who was primarily the man that was going to do the abduction and there would be a need for the at that time certainly 
and for the return to be to the, the woman. Once you step into the world of the Hague Convention, all things are not equal. In some countries, parents will get free legal representation. In others, they won't. Some cases take months to resolve. Others, years. Some countries really cooperate. Others, not so much. But for now, the Hague Convention is Anna's best hope. Initially, things move fast. Within days, her Hague application for the children's return is sent to the International Child Abduction Authority. And a week after Anna first reports her son's missing, Simon Craddock, her new lawyer, is in the High Court. So the court there in England were very concerned that there could be an onward abduction to India that isn't a member of the Hague Convention, and therefore they wanted to take action. The most recent family court order said the children could only be taken abroad to countries that had signed the Hague Convention. The USA is a signatory, so as long as the father stays there, there's a good chance of Anna getting them back. But if he leaves America and travels to any country not signed up, there's a chance she'll lose them forever. So at the first High Court hearing, Simon applies for the judge to make an order that the father cannot remove the children from the United States. The US authorities agree to put an alert at every port and airport. At the next hearing, Simon asks the High Court to issue orders insisting the father return the children to the UK. But two problems arise. Nobody knows how to reach Anna's ex to serve him with the orders. His phones are switched off. We have no clue how to communicate with him, contact him. And even if they found him, English court orders have no force in America. The boys have now been missing for three weeks and there's no sign of them. Neither have Anna or Simon heard anything about her Hague application. Meanwhile, all she can do is sit at home, surrounded by children's scooters, games and school bags, trying to keep hold of her job and her hope. How are you coping? I'm just keeping my hope high, thinking that they are going to come back because I don't want to think anything else. Only if I think they're going to come back, I'm going to see them. That, that keeps me, you know, past the days. Back in Gloucestershire, DI Nick Wheeler and his team pursue the scant leads they have. We had to make a decision. We need, the children now have been missing for uh, three to four weeks and nobody had seen them. And we had information to suggest they were at a hotel. Um, and so we put a request in through Interpol and then through, uh, through our liaison officers for the American authorities to go and do a safe and well on those children. Can you explain it's, what a safe and well is? So it's to basically somebody, a professional, who can go and see those children, make sure A, they're there, B, that they're spoken to separately, what contact details we could get for them, what dad's intentions were to speak to him and try and understand what they were, um, and to portray a, a picture back to us so that we understood the risk a little bit more clearly because at this point we're getting no information about anything. In a one-line message, Interpol confirms to Nick Wheeler that the authorities have seen the children and all is well. That was it? Yeah. Everyone is baffled at the lack of cooperation. It was very frustrating for us because... I rather naively felt that the relationship with the US would be more open because we're both seen as Western democracies, both part of the Hague Convention, 
Um, so I was expecting a kind of all those questions to have been answered so that we could go back to mum and say, we know where they are, we know that they're safe, and we got the response back that, that, that they didn't feel that, um, that this was a criminal matter. It was a civil dispute, dispute between parents. For Anna, everything feels agonisingly slow. So in mid-September, she takes things into her own hands. With only the name of a hotel in a town called Costa Mesa, she flies to Los Angeles. You went on your own? Yeah, I just went on my own. I don't know nobody there. I went there, stayed in a hotel, not in that hotel where they were, but a bit away. And the very next morning, I went to the local police station there in Costa Mesa. And I said to them, this is what has happened. And I have a court order which says he has to return the children if I'm there. And two police officers came with me to check the hotel. There are four Hiltons. She checks all of them. With nothing more than an English court order in her hand, she persuades two local police officers to accompany her. But the hotels have no record of Anna's ex or her boys ever having stayed there. Yet again, her ex-husband is one step ahead. She has no option now but to fly home. She spent thousands of dollars, but she's run out of options. Now she can only wait. Now the police are going to need Anna's help. To anticipate his next move, they need to know as much detail as possible about who exactly this man is and what he's done in the past. How did you meet the children's father? So it was an arranged marriage. My parents met his parents' family and they sort of liked each other. And then they introduced us. So I was 25 years old and I finished my university. I was working in a company. I lived with my friends. And so we lived, both of us, we lived in a different city. Anna grew up in Chennai in southern India. She's got a degree in physics, and when she was introduced to her future husband, she was working as a software tester. We didn't get much time to get to know each other, but we got married. That's how it is in India. Her new husband had a UK visa, so she persuaded him to move to London to find work, using the jewellery her father had given her as a wedding gift to pay for the move. So he, he was working, I was home all the time, and after six months or eight months, he resigned his job again. And then I said, can I go for work? And he never allowed me. He refuses to let her work, she says. He doesn't like her leaving the house. She feels totally isolated in a country where she knows no one. And, you know, all the time we are locked in a house, seeing each other, the arguments, the heated arguments every time. And he's a person, he, you can never win an argument with him. Like, it will be hours and hours. At the end, I have to say, OK, sorry, I started off this. Otherwise, he will never, ever stop. So it's always like that. We were in London. And I got pregnant with... Her husband gets a job in another town, and Anna and the new baby follow him there. The couple continue to fight, but she absorbs herself looking after her son because he's my only distraction at the time. He's my full-time work, new mother. And until he was six years old, he was my only, only thing in this whole world. Yeah, he even, even for him, he doesn't go to anybody. He was only, he just got attached to me. Even while he sleeps, he just put his arm around my neck. You're really smiling when you're talking about him. He made me smile, actually. I mean, that's the only 
positive thing I saw after a very long time. It was him. And and I, I said to myself, if not for anything else, I have to live for him. So whatever happens, I have to be there for him. Sorry. She tells me that her husband controlled her. I didn't have any phones at the time. He don't give me any access to money or anything. He never gives me any cash. I never had a bank account. He handles everything. Uh, if we go for a shopping, he just stays in the car park and gives me the card. So I go buy the groceries and everything and give it back to him. That's how it was. Like he thinks very powerful if he says no to me. No, you're not allowed. And he, he feels very proud about it. He feels happy about it. I don't know anyone here in this country. There's nobody. I have no family or friends except him. I know nothing. And I don't have a job. So whatever happens in the house, that just stays in. That must have been very, very difficult. It was because I was an independent woman before marriage. I was working. I lived my, in my own apartment and it was all total strange, you know. And I was started to think, is this how the marriage works everywhere? So can you tell me what you were having to deal with in terms of abuse? He's basically, he, he has a temper, a little bit of temper when, when I say something no for what he said. So he loses his patience and he gets a bit violent. He pushes me. Like, he doesn't care where I go or what happens to me. He just he just pushes me. He's, he's very heavy and I'm tiny. A few years later, when Anna discovers she's pregnant again, she feels vulnerable and scared. Can I ask you one question, which yeah. don't, don't, don't feel obliged to answer. How, do, how did it come about that you ended up pregnant again? All three of us, me and him, we all share the same bedroom. So I... Basically, normally I try to avoid him. I go to bed early with So he, he wakes, like if he wants to have a, um, sex, so he basically comes and wakes me up. So one night, like when I said no, uh, he really slapped me really hard. Um, and he said, uh, I, I never want any arguments in the bed and you cannot say no. I don't want to come and beg for you. Something's like that. And I said, if I don't want, I can say no. And he slapped me again was right next to me and that minute I knew like I cannot fight him back because you know I'm gonna get hurt this is what is going to happen and afterwards it, it's like you know if he comes to me I all I have to do is just keep quiet that's it and he just does it yeah after her second son is born Anna begins to think of leaving her husband but he constantly reminds her she has nothing without him. No job, no access to money. She's not even, unlike him and the children, a UK citizen. She says he uses the children to force her to stay in the marriage. And me are citizens here. If you want to leave, you have to leave. And, you know, I can't leave my child behind. Never, ever. So he knows that's how he can stop me. Eventually, things get so bad, Anna stops talking to her husband altogether. And they communicate solely by email. And after a year of living in this silent house, she begins to plan her escape. She calls the charity Women's Aid, who tell her to go to the Citizens Advice Bureau. So she grabs the baby, tells her husband she's going for a walk, and leaves the house. 
Over the next couple of months, she has meetings with her caseworker who advises her to open a bank account and apply for her UK citizenship. She's told to get a burner phone and hide it from him because he monitors her calls. And on the day her citizenship comes through, she takes the boys and flees to a domestic abuse refuge. How did it feel? I feel safe. I felt safe for the first time after so many years. I I had the relaxation, relief in my heart, you know. Okay, I'm I'm started to breathe. It's my life, it's my house, it's my children and I'm going to live my life now. All this time I was I don't know what I was doing. I just completely lost my life with this stupid man. I tried to please him over and over and over, but he he just don't deserve me at all. He wasted my life completely. I come out of that first three-hour interview with Anna, exhausted and drained. As a parent, I guess you think about this scenario on your darkest days, losing your children. The thought leaves me breathless. Normally, you shut down that thought, but this time, I can't shut it down. The horror keeps catching me. And I feel desperate for Anna. So, bit by bit, over the weeks, I start getting involved in a way that, as a journalist, I feel really conflicted by. Making calls I hope might help her, to people who might not pick up the phone to a mother, but who will pick up the phone to a journalist. And meanwhile, Anna's got Gloucestershire police, who are working their hardest to locate her ex. Early on, the police discover the children's father has stopped using his phone, stopped opening emails. He's even stopped using his credit cards and bank account. It was just completely dead. There's no communication whatsoever. So we don't know what his intentions are. And then, nine weeks after they disappear, a breakthrough. Hi, Louis. Hi. Um, are you OK for me to record this call? Yeah, that's OK. OK. Um, so can you tell me what's happened? So he basically checked in. He's done the online check-in to return later tonight. Yeah. Anna learns that her ex has checked himself and the children onto their return flight back to London. It looks like they could be coming home. But we have to wait until tomorrow to know for sure that he has boarded the plane. Let's let's just wait and see. Fingers crossed. In anticipation of the flight's arrival, Detective Constable Alistair Parker, Anna's day-to-day contact at Gloucestershire Police, scrambles a team together. If they're on the plane, the boys will be taken off by social services and their father will be arrested on arrival. Anna and I prepare to drive to Heathrow too. But uh, unfortunately, I then get a phone call uh, from officers at uh, Heathrow who said uh, we've been notified they never got onto the plane. I think the second she knew that I phoned, she knew that they weren't on there. Hello, it's... Hello, how are you? Please don't ask me that. I'm sorry. <sighs> don't lose hope. I know it's such a long time and it's every... Every week when, when Monday comes, I just, you know, like I keep my hopes high that this week something is going to happen. Some news will come from you as I... And somehow I will see my children. But it's been like 10 weeks now. Every week passes and nothing has changed since day one. (laughs) It just days goes and weeks goes, months goes. (laughs) Nothing.
Nothing has changed. <laughs> like this for the whole four years knowing what is going to happen tomorrow what is going to happen next month because it's always i've always been in fear even after leaving him he's just kept me like this till this minute it just looks like a lifelong punishment for me He's not going to come back. I am very sure about it. He's got big plans there in America. He's not going to come back and he's not going to make it that easy. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Hi, I'm Gemma Ware, host of the Conversation Weekly podcast. Each week, I get to speak to some of the smartest people in the world as they connect their new research to the biggest news and issues of today. You'll get a bit of everything from how women are changing North Korea to the emerging science of interoception, our sixth sense, to the importance of intellectual humility. Follow The Conversation Weekly for new episodes every Thursday and read more stories direct from academic experts every day on theconversation.com. Anna's ex has spent the past four years applying through the family courts to get more and more access to the children. I've read the court orders. I know that a judge determined that her ex had emotionally abused her. I also know that he's taken Anna to court so many times that a judge finally agreed to issue an order barring him from going back again without the court's permission. But just before the barring order was made, the father went back to court. He wanted to take the children abroad on holiday, he said. Anna was terrified, but the judge agreed with him. Remember, this isn't the first time he's taken the children. There was that three-week trip to India with their eldest in 2018. And then, in December 2019, he refused to hand the boys over after spending a Saturday with them, claiming Anna had abused them. They weren't returned to her for another three months, when, after exhaustive and intrusive investigations, she was exonerated. The social worker spoke to my son and he was... He said he lied. and every had lied on behalf of his father? Yeah. He didn't say on behalf of his father, but he said that to me. But to the social worker, he said, my mum never hit me. I lied before. So you are a proven victim of domestic yeah. abuse. The family court has accepted this. Yes. You are clearly quite traumatised by your time with your ex-husband. Yeah. There's many years of control, coercion, abuse. Yes, I'm struggling to see how the family court has protected you or the children. It hasn't. The court order didn't protect me or my children. It just helped my ex-husband to get to do what he wanted to do. It just helped him. After more weeks of waiting, suddenly, on the 11th of November, there is news. 
I've just heard that the children have been located and she knows for the first time in 10 weeks exactly where they are and most importantly she knows that they're safe my god I mean I'm sitting on a seawall in Newquay in West Wales and the whole three-hour drive here I was thinking about what kind of a weekend she would have still not knowing precisely where the children were so today is a good day I think there's I think there's a few weeks to go yet, if not months, before they're back with her. But for today, I think, I think this is good news. Thousands of miles away from Orange County, Detective Sergeant Alistair Parker, who's been in close contact with Anna these past months, tells her, finally, they have located the children. First, he tracks down the father's rental accommodation. So we all use uh, Airbnb, VRB, um, other properties like that. So that was a, an idea that I had that potentially we could look at uh, rental properties that this person may be using. Uh, and through that, we managed to identify a property. Uh, the company that supplied this information, they were phenomenal. And from there, the child abuse team home in on nearby schools the children might be attending. Detective Inspector Nick Wheeler picks up the story. When we looked at the culture and the religious background of the family, we were able to say they were So we were able then to look at that address and say, well, what schools are nearby? And then, then shortlist those in terms of distance from the location they were living and put together a spreadsheet of 13 schools, five of which we put as a priority, um, and then provide that information to the family court so that it could be sent over to the US District Attorney. And it was school number one that was on the list. So you sent that list over? Yeah. Police officers there went and did a look, and the first school they went to was number one on your list? Yeah. And they found them? Yeah. It suddenly felt that the balance of power suddenly came back towards us, although yeah. we were what, three and a half thousand miles away, it sort of changed it a bit. It really did feel like that, actually, yeah. didn't it? We, we talked about it at the time. It was like, right, okay, we, we're in control now. For the first time, we're not, we're not chasing this person, trying to understand them. We know what they're up to now. We know kind of what yes. they're doing. The, the and pan- they don't know that you know. With the children found, they can finally issue the Hague application, the mechanism which can enforce their return back home. A hearing is scheduled for December the 15th, a whole month away. Going to California for a second time and potentially staying there for months as the case drags through the courts will mean a leave of absence from work and cost Anna tens of thousands of dollars she simply doesn't have. But Anna decides somehow she has to find a way. She'll beg and borrow the money she needs to make her way to California. But she's worried about more than just the logistics. What if he has brainwashed both of them against me and what if they say they don't want to come to me or see me? I'm just too scared, Louis. Yeah, you've looked after them yeah. for their whole lives. I think it but would he's be... a manipulator, Louis. Mm. You don't know him. Like to invite those customers in Group 5 on British Airways flight 281 to Los Angeles. We're in Group 4. 
It's the 13th of December, so just before Christmas, and my producer Gemma and I are travelling with Anna to Los Angeles to attend the first Hague court hearing. Just tell me where we are, what we're doing. We just boarded the plane and the plane is about to start. So excited and thrilled. Just can't explain how I feel right now. What have you been thinking while you've been sitting in your seat? I don't know. I thought like I should get enough sleep because, you know, tomorrow, day after tomorrow is a big day and I have to get enough rest before that and I just don't know what's going to happen. I'm mentally, I'm preparing, but I don't know what's going to happen. So I just don't want to get my hopes too high and then disappointed. Also, I wish, I really wish I could see the children and get them straight away. We arrive late into LA and drive to our accommodation in Santa Ana. And then after three and a half months of waiting to see her children, the day arrives. It's 10 to 8, it's Thursday the 15th of December and we're just off to pick up the mum. And right now, the dad has literally no idea of what is about to happen today. We're assuming that he's taken the kids to school and law enforcement is pretty much on their way now to go and execute an order that the children can be picked up, brought to the courtroom and they will serve the dad with papers that means that he has to come to the courtroom too. Can you um, do the Google so that you're okay? Because, you know, I still don't know where we're going. Morning. We're just outside, so come down when you're ready. Just, just give me like five minutes. It's, I'll be down. That's completely fine. Just take your time. Yeah. Okay. So left onto the city drive, and then you want to be veering to the right. It should be Justice Centre. Okay. We drive the 15 minutes to the Orange County Family Courthouse. Anna is quiet. She's been up since 2am, speaking to family and friends, who keep calling. You'll see where we are. Oh yes, and then we'll take the car park that... We park and walk across the pavilion towards the imposing modern courthouse. They should be in school by this time, 8.45. Yeah. That's their school starting time, Uh, so we should have dropped the kids. So in the next 15 minutes, maybe you'll get a message. Yeah. So we're in front of the County of Orange State of California Superior Court, going into the Family Law Court. Okay, then I'm going to switch this off and we'll speak to you later. Yeah. While Gemma and I are allowed into the hearing, once we enter the building, we're not allowed to record. We head to the lifts and make for the seventh floor. Sitting on a hard bench that lines the corridor outside the courtroom, Anna's nervous but smiley. She almost can't believe she's about to see her children again. A police officer is keeping us all updated via WhatsApp. Police officers have arrived at the school. The boys have been taken out of class. A photo arrives, showing Anna her children sitting on a yellow sofa in the school office. They've got them. They're on their way to the courthouse. Anna goes quiet. Barely a couple of minutes later, two boys walk around the corner towards us and Anna just runs. 
I don't think there is anyone there without tears in their eyes. The little one, who's wearing a Paw Patrol backpack almost bigger than he is, immediately gives his mum the most massive hug and doesn't let go. The older one looks kind of dazed and bewildered and sits very close to Anna. About half an hour later, police escort the father to the courthouse, at which point the children are taken downstairs and we all go into the courtroom. The judge comes in. Anna sits in front of Gemma and I, silently weeping. The judge, who deals with almost all the child abduction cases here, asks the father if he understands why he's in court, and he says yes, he's been anticipating it, and he's already retained a lawyer with expertise in Hague Convention cases. He says he will argue that the boys will be at grave risk of harm if they're sent back with their mother. The judge orders that the parents hand over their passports, and she sets the date for the next hearing in late January. In the meantime, she orders that the children should stay with Anna, giving her interim custody. All strapped in. Brilliant. There you go, bud. With the hearing over, the boys say goodbye to their father and a police officer brings them to our hire car, strapping the younger one into a borrowed car seat. Yes. Okay. Okay. You fancy pizza? Yeah. Excellent. What is that? It has pizza. <laughs> Do you know everything now? Yeah. 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 It's Cheeky Papa Jones. Papa After pizza, we head back to Anna's Airbnb and sit down to talk with her older son. You haven't seen your mum now for kind of over three months and have you been trying to get in touch with her or was there no way to do that? Um, I tried to, but like I don't remember her number and I don't think it would have worked in the US anyways. Do you have a phone? A fo- yeah, I do have a phone, but I haven't used it since the flight. Mm. Did you have it in your room, or was it just somewhere else? I wasn't using it that much, so my dad kept it in his bag safe. And, yeah. Did you think that your mum might be looking for you? Uh, yeah, I did think that she might be looking for me, but I had no way to contact her, so I didn't I didn't know if she would like even know where we were. Mm. So. Mm. so when you saw your mum today... What were the feelings inside you? Um, I was like really, I guess, excited and like surprised and I guess happy as well. Yeah, but I did think about what was like going to happen next, I guess. Hmm. Ready? Three, three. Wee! <laughs> one, two, three. Wee! <laughs> one, two, three. Last one. Wee! <laughs> Anna now has to move closer to the boys' private school in an expensive area and pay really high rent. She has to hire a car for six weeks or even longer. It's costing her everything. And all this on her own, with no friends, no family to support her, juggling the boys and trying to do her job remotely and getting the kids to contact sessions with their father. And now we've got to leave too. And it's really hard. Okay, boys, you're going to be really good for your mum? Yeah. 
I'm glad to hear it. You going to be good for your mummy? Good boy. It's very difficult to leave you. I know. <laughs> keep me updated. Yeah, I will. And I will keep in touch. Yeah? Take care. No. Take care. Gemma, she's just rung me. The hearing's just finished after four days in court. She won! Hi, hi. What's hi. happened? Hello. What, what, gosh, what's... Hello. Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, 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 I can. Thank you for calling. Tell me, tell me what's happened. Oh, nice. It was very stressful day yesterday. It took the whole day. Um, but later, in the, in the beginning of after lunch, I we could clearly see the case, but they haven't proved any of the burden because they, they are in the position to prove that the children have a risk going back home. But by the end of the day, they haven't proved anything. And then the judge said, you think the whole world is against you, but the, the only enemy you got is you. You just thought about yourself. And my attorney, she said, before even you said your judgment, your honor, I received already an appeal for this case. And the judge laughed and said, it's absolutely denied. I'm not going to take any more, any of this anymore. We already wasted four days in this case, but they are going home. And then they said, if the dad wishes, he can have a 15 minutes chat with Bye-bye, Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. We're on the plane. Back home. Going back home. Mama, Mama, I put my seatbelt on. Hello. Boys. How are you? Good, I'm living. With the boys safely on their way home, Gloucestershire police continue to pursue their criminal investigation into the father. And while he's overjoyed at the outcome, Detective Constable Alistair Parker is still determined to get justice for Anna. Where you are now, in terms of what you know now and what you've discovered over all these months, what do you think of him? I, I think that prioritise his needs and issues with the mother above everything else. He didn't think about his children because everyone's got a mobile phone, a device that you can do, Zoom, FaceTime, whatever it may be, anywhere in the world almost. Uh, he could have done that. He could have said, well, look, these are my issues. I'm, I'm going here for whatever reason. But he didn't even do that. He stopped them from speaking to their mother. And I think for me, that's, you know, I think that could have a real psychological impact on those children. When the hearing concluded three days before we were due to publish this podcast, we sent the father an extensive right of reply, putting to him all the allegations Anna had made against him. We never heard back. What yeah. has this cost you just in money? What has this cost you? 
shape around um so just my accommodation and food and the tickets alone cost me around 16 17000 and the and the the hire car and the lawyer attorney fees and and on top of it attorney fees car rental car and everything is there so it should be somewhere around 20 25000 my god i know tens of thousands of pounds 148 days of anguish too many sleepless nights to count and a future filled with jeopardy and fear in which Anna's ex-husband could still seek access to the children if the judge could have just saw what he has done in the past and not allow him to take my children abroad trips all this things could have been stopped it could have been prevented If the judges who allowed her ex to take the boys overseas had just grasped the risks posed by a man who Anna believes deliberately used the family courts to continue his control over her life. Anna's story shows how when things get worse than you could ever imagine that the family court may not protect you and then it's up to you the police your solicitor the whims of a foreign jurisdiction and one hell of a lot of cash to get your children back. Snatch was reported by Louise Tickle and produced by Gemma Newby. The sound design was by Sam Bather and the editor was me, Basha Cummings. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Slow Newscast. If you like what we do and enjoy our podcast, then please do leave us a review or follow us. And to access more of our journalism and invites to exclusive events, join Tortoise as a member. Visit tortoisemedia.com/friend and use the code SLOW60 for a special offer today. Tortoise. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Hi, I'm Gemma Ware, host of the Conversation Weekly podcast. Each week, I get to speak to some of the smartest people in the world as they connect their new research to the biggest news and issues of today. You'll get a bit of everything from how women are changing North Korea to the emerging science of interoception, our sixth sense, to the importance of intellectual humility. Follow the Conversation Weekly for new episodes every Thursday and read more stories direct from academic experts every day on theconversation.com.